What do you call a terrorist who likes to bake cookies? Lady Al-Qaeda. <laughs> 20 years after 9-11, America has been targeted by terrorists again. It wasn't anything like 9-11, but an audacious attempt nonetheless. A terrorist took four people hostage inside a synagogue in Texas. The mastermind was a British citizen, but a Pakistani by origin. He was shot and killed after a tense 11-hour-long standoff. What did he want? Why did he take American hostages to secure the release of this woman? Her name is Afia Siddiqui. The world knows her as Lady Al-Qaeda. She has been nicknamed the Matahari of Al-Qaeda. Afya Siddiqui was born in 1972 in Karachi, Pakistan. From a middle-class background, she left for the US at the age of 18 and thanks to her impressive grades, joined the prestigious MIT. She was already a devout Muslim when she graduated in neuroscience. This footage shows her at the age of 19. If there's any civilization on any other planet, it's my challenge to them as well, that Islam is the best savior and protector for women. Welcome back. Well, earlier this month, Afia Siddiqui, a doctor and mother of three, was convicted of attempted murder of U.S. soldiers over in Afghanistan. Now, while a concrete verdict was issued, many still believe that there was little evidence to actually support her conviction. Well, joining me now from our New York studio, Tina Foster, spokesperson for Siddiqui's family. Hi there, Tina. So Pakistani officials are saying that they want to review the case. They want to review the verdict. Why is it so important for Pakistan to do that right now? Well, Dina, Afia Siddiqui, Dr. Afia Siddiqui, um, has become somewhat of a symbol of um, the numerous people, um, the hundreds if not thousands of people who have disappeared in the U.S.-led war on terror over the past eight years. Dr. Afia Siddiqui is known in Pakistan not as um, somebody that has been convicted of shooting Americans, but as somebody who was uh, was hidden in American custody in secret detention for five years um, without having any access to her family. Um, and they believe, uh, we believe, many human rights activists believe that her two children who are still missing are still in U.S. custody somewhere. And so for the Pakistani government, this case um, is extremely important and one that um, the trial didn't even begin to scratch the surface of. Siddiqui is serving her sentence at, at a prison in Fort Worth. This is 20 miles away from the synagogue where the hostage crisis took place. On Saturday, Akram walked into the synagogue armed. For 11 hours, he controlled the hostages and the synagogue at gunpoint. Finally, he was shot dead by local security officials. Thankfully, no one else was hurt. U.S. President Joe Biden has called this episode an act of terrorism. Meanwhile, her family back in Pakistan has been campaigning hard for her release. My sister Afia is going to come back. This is not her defeat. This is her victory. It is the defeat of those who have convicted her. It is their defeat because they did not have the courage to own up to their mistakes. Since her arrest, she's become a hero in some circles, with Al-Qaeda demanding her release. And is serving an 86-year prison sentence. 
The conviction happened in 2010, and since then, Pakistan has been glorifying her. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Yusuf Raza Gilani called her a daughter of the nation. Britain's intelligence agency, the MI5, has also released some numbers. As of April 2020, MI5 was tracking more than 43,000 people. These people, they said, pose a quote-unquote potential terrorist threat to the United Kingdom, 43,000. Now, British national attacks on foreign land, look at how the sequence of events unfolded. America captures a terrorist, Pakistan turns her into an icon, mobilizes the state machinery to get her out of jail, ends up radicalizing a British citizen who then takes Jews in the US hostage. This is what a terror state can do. The UK can no longer afford to look the other way. Radicals on British soil pose a threat to its friends and its own people. We on is Knock, knock. Who's there? Jihadi. Jihadi who? Jihadi. What did the insurgents say when the mosque was closed? Shia. How many insurgents does it take to overthrow a government? Nobody knows. They always die on the plane ride over. What's the terrorist's favorite pop song? What do you call a terrorist doctor? Akbed. A Muslim walks into a synagogue. He tells the congregants he's there to take them hostage in the name of Allah. The Jews looking at the man say, please sir, come join us. We can worship God together. The apparent terrorist looks them in the eye and says, Allah has sent me to destroy you infidels. The Jewish people look at each other, wondering what will happen next. I'm Dave Peters, and I'm always right. This week, an English Al-Qaeda sympathizer of Pakistani origin took four Jewish people hostage at a Texas synagogue. He was shot and killed by authorities, hostages escaping, and FBI waiting only 24 hours to call it terrorism. 
new strains of COVID have been identified faster. For some reason, Snoop Dogg gave Eli Manning a death row chain, both sharing similarities as once being boys in blue. I guess outside of that, I don't really get it. We're about one Super Bowl away from seeing Eli crip walking in a Pepsi commercial, though. Anyone watching Yellowstone? It's kind of like Oregon Trail come to life, but with really white teeth. Go through great lengths, like costumes and filming on location, but not gunking up the teeth a little bit. Makes the show seem about as authentic as Olive Garden. Uh, Why does it seem no one cares about the Uyghurs, but Ennis Cantor and Right of Middle Thinkers? Where's the fury? This billionaire minority stake holder of Golden State Warriors, Pally, 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 Pally Oxenfree, says he doesn't really care, speaking honestly and openly, um... He doesn't care about the Uyghurs. It just goes to show you, even minorities don't have to care about other minorities. Anybody checked for Jeffrey Epstein's body? Uh, Might be hiding in an upstate funeral home. Three uncared for bodies were among more than a dozen containers of cremated remains also being uncared for. They were found among furniture in a garage and other property of an unlicensed funeral home in Johnstown, New York. Also found among the bodies was the Dallas Cowboys season. Their last game was nearly as grotesque as this funeral home. Investigations underway. President Biden spoke longer than a Taylor Swift song earlier this week, which is somewhat encouraging to skeptics of his aptitude. Coherence, somewhat of a different issue. More on that after this. man babe this traffic is bad i'm not feeling so good do you think you need to poop on oh too late don't let this happen to you if this man had only been aware of the new acme intp car horn his pants car and wife could have been saved from embarrassment introducing the i need to poop car horn the latest innovation in fecal mishaps don't get caught squeezing your cheeks tell everyone to get the hell out of your way because well i need to poop it happens to all of us and from now on we'll know why you're doing 65 and a 30. also look for the new honey you're a cunt talking floor mat from acne next time you come home tell your loved one how you really feel with acne's new line of talking floor mats Alright, so it's now been one year since President Biden's been in office, and what a long, long year it's been, for most people anyway. Uh, I'm not sure what his supporters might think it's been, 
but uh, time certainly wasn't going by very fast, and a lot of bad happened in a short amount of time, and if I could say something great that he has done outside of attempting to lead, I would do it off the top of my head. I honestly can't think of it, and I wish I could. There was one point where the president attempted to lead at the very least. Um, you know, he's tried with COVID, uh, with little, very, very little success. There's not much I can say that's been great about the country. People seem sad. Seems a little bit dire. Um, And it's not good at all. Nonetheless, the president took the stage this week and held about an hour, eh, hour and a half, I guess, two-hour speech, and then he fielded questions. Um, again, the president continues to take questions which are uh, uh, screened. He knows who he's going to ask or who he's going to call on uh, before even the people might know they're being called on. Maybe they know what order it's going in. But um, it's weird. It's very weird. Um, but... You know, you, you cut him some slack, you know, the the critics and his skeptics uh, really call into question his steadiness. Coherity. Yeah, I mean, and rightfully so, right? I mean, there's, we've played it several times on this young podcast and you know he's just a little off from time to time you know he this time around he was a little bit steadier but even with written questions he kind of messed up still even with written statements he messed up i mean so while he attempted to try it's still so agonizing look um I didn't overpromise, but I think if you take a look at what we've been able to do, uh, you'd have to acknowledge we made enormous progress. But one of the things that I think is something that, uh, one thing I haven't been able to do so far, is get my Republican friends to get in the game of making things better in this country. For example, I was reading the other day, and I, had, I wrote the quote down, so I don't misquote him. A quote from Senator Sununu when he decided that he wasn't going, excuse me, Governor Sununu, when he decided he wasn't going to run for the Senate in New Hampshire. Here's what he said. They were all, for the most, quote, they were all, for the most part, content with the speed at which they weren't doing anything. It was very clear that we just had to hold the line for two years. Okay, so I'm just going to be a roadblock for the next two years? That's not what I do, Sununu said. He went on to say, it bothered me that they were okay with that. Then he goes on to say, I said, okay, so we're not going to get stuff done if we win the White House back, if we win the White House back. Why didn't we do anything in 2017 and 2018? 
And then he said, how the Republican Sununu spoke to answer the challenge? He said, crickets, yeah, crickets. They had no answer. I did not anticipate that there'd be such a stalwart to make sure that the most important thing was that President Biden didn't get anything done. Think about this. What are Republicans for? What are they for? Name me one thing they're for. It's it's so hard to get through it. You have to force yourself to try to listen. You know, guys like Trump, even Obama, um, they, they were very good at speeches. A lot of people say Clinton was very good at speeches. Uh, I mean, he, he did the whole pointing the thumb thing where you, you hold your hand and you don't like stick out your thumb like you're giving thumbs up, but you kind of like hold it up against your index finger, like the little crease there. And you do, and you, when you speak, you move your fist instead of pointing your finger. He kind of, uh, he didn't patent it, but he, uh, popularized, popularized it. Jeez. Um, but yeah, those guys were good at speeches. Biden's not like very good at speeches at all. Bush was easy to make fun of in his speeches. I mean, just the way he looked and, and sounded and, you know, nobody really liked him for the most part, but he was not as bad as Biden by any means. So I thought I would try to see if I can make Biden uh, somewhat entertaining. So I put him behind some music, or I put the music behind him. And let's see what we got. And what I have probably uh, outperformed what anybody thought would happen. The fact of the matter is that... Uh, we're in a situation where uh, we have made enormous progress. You mentioned the number of deaths from COVID. Well, it was uh, three times that, not longer. It's coming down. Everything's changing. It's getting better. Not bad, right? A little pep in his step there. A little house music for Biden. Uh, let's see what else we got. They don't know a lot of the detail of what we pass. So the difference is, I'm going to be out on the road a lot, making the case around the country with my colleagues who are up for re-election and others, making the case of what we did do and what we want to do, what we need to do. And so I don't think I've overpromised at all, and I'm going to stay on this track. You know, one of the things that uh, I remember, and I'll end, was, uh, I was talking with, uh, you know, uh, Jim Clyburn, who was a great help to me in the campaign in South Carolina. And Jim said, and when he endorsed me, and there was a, there was a clip on television in the last couple of days of Jim, and it said that we want to make things accessible and affordable all Americans. It's healthcare. It's education. It's pres prescription drugs. It's making sure you have access, access, all the things that everybody else has. We can afford to do that. We, can we can't afford not to do it. 
so I tell my Republican friends, here I come. Some reggae Biden, some disco Biden. Anything's better than just Biden, I guess. Take note, uh, White House Press. I'm Dave Peters, and I'm always right. If I could, sir, and I should have said this before, Francesca Chambers McClatchy, how do you plan to win back moderates and independents who cast a ballot for you in 2020, but polls indicate aren't happy with the way you're doing your job now? I don't believe the polls. It's the Horrendous League. Watch your favorite cast of evildoers band together and try to free the ugliest of them all. Listen, Charlie, I I just don't think breaking Larry Nassa out of jail will be that easy. Why do you think this is? Escape from Danamora? One day you're a journalist, the next day you're a criminal mastermind? I know we can do it. Then once he's free, we can use the time to clear our names and get back to doing what we do best. Forcing ourselves on women? No. Well, yeah. Kinda. Well, I have a Haley Joel Osmond lookalike contest to judge. Let me know what the plan is. We need one more. Starring Harvey Weinstein, Woody Allen, Kevin Spacey, Charlie Rose, and Larry Nasser. A horrendous league on YouTube. Now. Oh, God. Ladies and gents, we're going to play a little game. It's called Hayek vs. Hurley. Going to get you now. Hayek vs. Hurley. They're so wonderful. Hayek vs. Hurley. They're so wonderful. Hayek vs. Hurley. They're so wonderful and I vs. Hurley They're so wonderful and I love them So wonderful and I vs. Hurley They're so wonderful Join me as we contest two of the most splendid, beautiful personalities uh, the uh, older celebrities have to offer. Now, listen, uh, you can play this game with any model, Instagram, influencer, porn star, so on and so forth. But to me, it's a very uh, contentious battle between which of these uh, older beautiful celebrities is the most uh, fairest of them all so i thought i'd take a little bit of time and i hope you can join me at home we're gonna go through we're gonna see which one is hotter hayek that's selma hayek or hurley elizabeth hurley uh 
Selma Hayek, known for her acting roles. Hurley, known for her acting as well. Both, again, beautiful women. Uh, if you follow their Instagram accounts, you can see uh, their uh, splendid shapes and forms. Okay. So they're both about the same age. Um, Hayek's 55. Hurley is 56. Uh, both are... Uh, foreigners to America. Hayek was born in Mexico and Hurley uh, was born in the United Kingdom. Okay. So there's some similarities there. Both have, you know, fun movies they're involved in, but let's take it, let's take it to, uh, take it to somewhere. Um, let's, so let's get going. We're going to start uh, with Hayek. And Hayek, it, I mean, it's tough to say. Uh, let's start with the... Let's start with the, uh, the most obvious. And uh, that would be the face. Now, if you look at Selma Hayek, she appears to have a few rest... A few less wrinkles than Hurley. Um, you know, really examining it and getting close. I have no clue if any work's been done on these women. It doesn't really matter. They're both beautiful. But somehow they uh, defy age. Hurley, though, I admit has uh, cracked a little bit more than Hayek. So I'm going to give this one Hayek. Now, the way we're scoring this, we're going to do uh, 1 through 10 scale. And the woman with the highest score is going to win. Feel free to play along at home. So Hayek, Hurley. Right now, I'm going to give Hayek... 9 out of 10. Hurley, I'm going to go with an 8. Woof. All right. Next up, let's do their roles. Hayek's been in a lot of cool movies. Adam Sandler movies, Robert Rodriguez, so many uh, romantic comedies. Um, her acting capabilities, obviously, there. I'm giving her another 9. Hurley's not been as many, but Austin Powers, I mean, the, that loan's awesome. I'm giving her a nine there. Um, okay, let's start with, let's get into, well, let's start with, let's get into the accents. The accents, both are foreign, both have these beautiful little dialects that they so oh my gosh it's just incredible so let's hear Hayek's I've never been in a hot air balloon and so we had breakfast uh, in the in the little basket in the hot air balloon and let's hear Hurley's you know the funny thing is I mean he adores me obviously and we're very close because I'm a single mother but he does tend to say to me before I go out mommy don't flirt Oh, man. This is a tough one. 
I'm going with Hayek, giving her another nine. Early, I'm giving an eight. Again, these are these are kind of like boxing scores. You you give it a scale. Um, so far, Hayek's in the lead, twenty-seven. Hurley is one down by 26. Very contentious. Um, the bodies. I mean. Oh my gosh. Just go look at the pictures. I know how I'm voting here. Hayek goes 10. Hurley goes 9. Good gracious. Um... So we got body, face, accent, acting roles, and then we can judge the personality based on all that. Um, let's see, even match. Ten for both. Beautiful woman. I mean, maybe they're injecting something like fucking Fauci is. That guy's 81. Did you guys know he's 81 years old or something like that? He's in his 80s. I mean, he, he looks pretty good for a guy in his 80s. Maybe you ladies can play this game amongst yourselves with some men. Um, uh, but, yeah. Both beautiful women. So... Hayek, we have 9, 9, 9, 10, 10. That is good enough for 37. And Hurley, we have 8, 9, 8, 9, 10, 44 for Hurley. And what was that again? We have... 47 for Hayek. Selma Hayek's the winner. We'll be back. And I'm going to leave you guys with a little Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King Jr., whose name was originally, his born name was Michael King. Let me make sure I have that right. Something like that. Yeah, Michael King. Sorry. But I'm going to leave you uh, with a little speech. It's corny. I did my Angelou last week. I don't really care. Uh, just a little bit of uh, Martin Luther King speaking. Not I have a dream, though. Something else. So uh, thank you. I accept the Nobel Prize for Peace at a moment when 22 million Negroes of the United States are engaged in a creative battle to end the long night of racial injustice. I accept this award on behalf of a civil rights movement which is moving with determination and a majestic scorn for risk and danger
to establish a reign of freedom and a rule of justice. I am mindful that only yesterday in Birmingham, Alabama, our children crying out for brotherhood were answered with fire hoses, snarling dogs, and even death. I am mindful that only yesterday in Philadelphia, Mississippi, young people seeking to secure the right to vote were brutalized and murdered. I am mindful that debilitating and grinding poverty afflicts my people and chains them to the lowest rung of the economic ladder. Therefore, I must ask why this prize is awarded to a movement which is beleaguered and committed to unrelenting struggle, to a movement which has not yet won the very peace and brotherhood which is the essence of the Nobel Prize. After contemplation, I conclude that this award which I receive on behalf of that movement is a profound recognition that nonviolence is the answer to the crucial political and moral questions of our time, the need for man to overcome oppression and violence without resorting to violence and oppression.